Podcast, a place where we talk about what it's really like to turn 30. I'm your host, life coach Emma Wilson, and I'm here to help you feel better, get unstuck, and be more confident in your 30s. This week's episode is a continuation of my special podcast series talking all about going from the nine to five to becoming self-employed, having career changes, doing things different and really shaking things up in your 30s and all of the guests that I've invited on have done this themselves. Now this week's guest is a man which is always an exciting week for Turning 30 podcast because I have only ever had a female guest so I'm really excited to introduce today's guest to you and actually it wasn't really on purpose but it's worked out really well that what I'm doing is offering to you or presenting to you all different ways, all different types of career changes that you can have if you want to make a change in your career. So we had the first week, which was with my client Liv Woodhouse, and she was an expert in her field working in events. She wanted to stay in this industry. She really loved being in events, but she decided to go and do it on her own terms and set up her own events consultancy. So if you've listened to that podcast, you'll hear a really good example of somebody taking their expertise and taking it to their own business and being able to apply all of the skills and knowledge that they've learned and basically set up their own thing, which is exactly what Liv did. And then last week, or last episode, I interviewed Yelena and we spoke about many other things as well as careers, but she told the story of leaving her finance job and doing consultancy work as a platform to then set up her own thing. So that's like the hybrid of both. She was an expert, she was able to leverage those skills, leverage her network and was able to set it up that she could leave, be freelance, have a more autonomous schedule, remote work, remote travel and all of those things as a way that she could also in parallel set up her own thing. So she didn't 100% leave and it was more of a strategy. So that's another option. Now today's guest is the other side of that. So that's somebody who just went from working in one thing to working in something completely different, working in something that isn't actually directly related to his original job, which was in finance and then eventually becoming a writer. So I think this is a really, really nice progression of the episodes to see and to give you all the different options that you have when you are thinking of leaving and having a change in direction. And as most of you know, if you follow me on Instagram, if you don't follow me on Instagram, by the way, and you've just found the podcast via Spotify or Google or Apple Podcasts, then inviting you to come and join the Turning 30 community over at Turning 30 Coach. Uh, 30 is the numbers 30, not the letters. And there I'm talking about my latest launch, which is my Gold Group program. So this podcast series has been a build up to the program, which is actually kicking off this week. So if you're listening in real time, in just a few days, we're having the opening session. I've got an amazing, amazing bunch of solopreneurs who are all ready to take their business to the next level. And I'm inviting you to go and check out the program and to see if you would like to come and join us because what we're going to do is a six-week group course. It's live, so you're going to have 
direct workshops with me, really interactive, and then each workshop will be followed by a Q&A where we'll also be doing some coaching. And the topics that we're going to cover are a lot of the topics that I talk about in this in these episodes, but what we're really going to dive into is how to get out of employee mindset and become the CEO that you need to be in order to successfully start up your own thing. Now, the thinking behind this course, the reason I've actually called it gold is because when I was starting out, wow, I knew I had gold in my hands. I was like, turning 30 as a mission is gold. It really is. But I had so many things blocking me from getting there. And I thought those things were practical things. Like, I don't have a strong audience. I don't have a community. And I'm not good at social media. I don't have any time. I'm not sure what to do next. I don't have any money to invest. All of the things. And the truth is that the main thing blocking me was my mindset. Because when we go to start a new business, we have to have a good mindset in order that we can really go ahead and build and make sure that our business is functioning from the ground up. So when I was at this point, there were two options, either to invest in a one-on-one coach, a high-ticket one-on-one coach, which is actually what I did in the end, or to go and join a mastermind. And a mastermind, for those of you who don't know, who aren't in the coaching world, A mastermind is when a group of individuals come together to help each other. A mastermind is when, it's basically what it sounds like, it's a room or a group of people who are masters in what they're doing or trying to be, putting their minds together and supporting each other. And it's usually led by one coach. And historically in the business world, in the coaching business coaching world, it's it's a really expensive investment. We're talking like $10,000 plus and... I, at the time, really wanted to join a specific one that was $25,000, but I just felt like I needed something shorter to dip my toe in, to see what mindset coaching was, and to I was ready to go all in and commit, and I was willing to pay that huge sum of money, but I felt like there was something missing in between to test the waters, and that's why I've created gold, because I want it to be for those of you who are really ready to step up. Maybe you're thinking of hiring a one-on-one business coach. Maybe you're thinking of joining a mastermind. But you feel like there's something there that you want to explore first. And that's why I've made it so accessible. So the price of the group course is £999. And that's British pounds. I'm not going to do all the conversions here. I know a majority of my listeners come from the UK. But I also know there's many of you in Europe and uh, in the US and other places across the world as well. So you can do your own uh, currency conversions, but I've really made it accessible. There's also a payment plan where you can split it in three. And the reason being is that I feel like at this stage of business, this is the part where you just, you want to invest, you're ready to put money towards it. You know that that's necessary to commit, but you aren't ready to make those big, high ticket, really you know huge investments. And I'm telling you the value that I'm giving in the gold program, the topics that we're covering, the things, the tools and the skills that I'm going to share with you are just as good as any mastermind. And the next time I run it, it will not be this price. It's going to be much higher. And there are limited spots. So at the moment, seven spots have been taken. So there are a few left and we get started this Sunday. For details, you can check the podcast description or you can contact me on Instagram. I'm also running 15-minute consult calls for anybody who wants to 
consult with me and see if it's the next best step for you. But I'm really excited about it. I really think it's a special course that I've created. And for anybody who's never done a group program before, the power of being in a room with people who are going through the same thing as you, where you can talk to other people and feel like you're not the only one, that you're not alone and you share ideas and you can really feel that you're part of a community is something that is so special and so unique to group coaching. And actually, my Reclaim group program that started exactly one year ago and ran until March, that program, the girls are still in touch, the girls are still friends. And people from my group course, the next chapter, which was run last July uh, over the summer in 2021, those clients are still in touch, they still meet up, some of my clients in London have become friends, and actually in September, two of my clients went on a trip together, they went on holiday together, so love the idea that this community can really bring people together, make new friends, but also really help you, you know, the result that you're going to get out of this group coaching program is just going to be that you're showing up for yourself and you are actually in motion in your business. Now, let's introduce this week's guest because I just loved this conversation so much. I really love talking all things career change. So without further ado, I'll introduce Amar. Amar is a writer, podcast host and coach who has interviewed the likes of the founders of Netflix and Twitter. His previous career had nothing to do with what he does now, but he is much happier after the shift. He mainly focuses on the topics of entrepreneurship and how ambitious people can grow without burning out. Hi, Amar, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Emma. Great to be here. Now it's my turn to interview you, because for everyone listening, I was on Amar's podcast last year. Was it last year? It was this year, right? Yeah, it was this year. Actually, I think maybe we recorded it at the end of last year, and then it came out. Uh, this year, we were actually just speaking before we pressed play about um, you being much more organized than me. So that's quite likely that it was a, a few months delay. But we're here today to talk about leaving the nine to five and running your own business and all the things that come along with that. So I thought it would be a really great place to start to ask you the question, what did you want to be when you were young? Like, what was the, you know, when you grew up, what was your your dream and what did you want to be? And then from there, I'd love to hear your, I guess, your story, your career background. I think it's interesting because when I was growing up, I didn't really know what I wanted to be. It was mainly like I wanted to be really good at something, but I had no idea what that something was for a long time. And it's weird because when I was a, a kid, like, say, six or seven, I used to write stories and I used to be quite into writing. And that just disappeared for like 20 years or so before I started doing what I'm doing now. And when I was at university, I did economics and it was very much the idea of, okay, I'm going to do some kind of soulless career for a bit and make money and whatever. And then my whole plan was to be at 30 to become a teacher. And I don't know why I picked 30. I think it's in my head when you're a kid, 30 is really old, right? It's like, oh yeah, by that time, I'm basically retired. And then I go into <laughs> teaching and start helping people and I've made my money. And it's funny when I look back on it because now I'm 30. It's like, yeah, it's not that old. Like there is a, like there's a lot more life to go. It's so funny that you're saying this because firstly, it's funny that when we were young, we thought 30 was retirement age. And also I did exactly the same thing. So I was really interested in psychology and studied at a university for my first degree. And then I was like, but I'm going to have a, like you said, a soulless career. I don't know if I called it that at the time, yeah. but I was like, I'm going to become a lawyer. And then at 30, you know, when I'm in my thirties, I've become a psychologist. And then I'm like laughing now. Cause I mean, I did actually do like a career change at 30, but 
I'm, I obviously also thought that same thing that 30 would be retirement and then I would go and pursue my actual dream when I'd already made all my millions and my fortune in my 20s. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly the same thing because it's like investment banking and that kind of consulting career is what I had. And then I think as I got closer to this, I was like, well, I don't really feel like I want to be a teacher in a couple of years time. But I keep, it was that, I think in some ways it was the, like the idyllic idea of, oh yeah, once, once we become 30, I'm going to become a teacher. I'm going to help little kids. I'm going to be like this really great person. And you tell people that because like when you explain, oh yeah, I work in consulting or something like that, they go, okay, yeah, of course. You're just like, it's, it's not particularly interesting in many ways. And then it's funny when I got towards 30, then I knew I didn't want to do what I was doing. But for the longest time, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I had the same problem of, so I, I don't want to continue what I'm doing forever, but what do I go into? Because then you start to feel trapped because you're like, okay, I built up these skills in this area. Then I don't want to just start from scratch again. And then you're kind of staying in that zone without intending to. And what I do now is almost a complete fluke because it was January, 2020. I was reading a lot online and I thought, oh, I'll start a new productive habit, like new year, new me, right online. And I didn't think anybody would actually read it. It was meant to be just, I was reading a lot. So it's going to process my thoughts and it's a mature adult thing to do. And I'll be like, feel good about myself for doing that, I guess. And then it did so much better than I thought it would do. And in hindsight, I would have, like, I used my real name because I thought, oh yeah, nobody's going to find this anyway. And then later on that kind of caused problems because now everything's under my own name and like, mixing the accounts and work then discovered it whereas if I was using a pseudonym I could have kept it secret for longer maybe mm -hmm. and yeah the writing was online in January 2020 and then the pandemic struck in March 2020 and that gave me a lot more time to do it on the side so it was doing as a side hustle and because of the nature of like the same thing as what you do right you get lots of people contacting you wanting to reach out all these random opportunities started coming up and I had to say no to a lot of them because I had the day job. And there's this real battle inside of like, okay, I like doing that stuff more, but I'm not a creative person. Like this is just something I did for fun mm. and ha happens to work out. And there's a whole internal battle of my identity of, but I'm like, I, I got, went to a good school, went to, got good grades, went to good university, got good grades, went into a professional job. So it's a very kind of mainstream, like I'm doing what I'm supposed to do in some ways. And then to be like, okay, I'm going to quit my job and become a writer just felt very on me. And it took me a time to be like, yeah, I can do that. Like, it's not, it's like, oh, that's what other people do. Like, it, it, if I was, be honest with myself, like a few years ago, I'd been like, well, that's what, that's what weird people do kind of thing, right? Like, I'm not one of them, right? Like, I do, yeah, yeah I do like proper stuff. <laughs> and then it's a whole like changing my identity and how I viewed the world. And it's obviously made me much more open-minded. And it's tackling my own biases that I had against different careers and different industries. And it's as I got older, it's just you realize like, you just do what you want to do. And you can, there's always a way to make money in different things. You're always gonna be able to support yourself if you go to the right angle or whatever like that. So don't choose a career based on what other people are going to think of it. And now it's even funny now when I introduce myself as a writer, I think I'm not very good at introducing myself still. Like podcaster, writer, like I do other stuff too. And it's funny the reaction of people, especially from professional careers, because I can see like the way their face reacts is the same way I would have reacted a few years ago. And I kind of find that quite amusing about how my perception has changed in such a short amount of time. Yeah, wow. It's, there's so much to unpack here, but I really think that point about identity is something that so many of my clients struggle with because I think, and it's the same for you. I would say it's the same for me in terms of 
definitely worked in corporate up until I was uh, in my early 30s, but I wasn't in one, you know, I left law uh, after a couple of years. So I don't have that exactly that same thing that a lot of my clients have. And probably you had as well when you've been in something for so long that it defines you who you are. But I really resonate with that thing of, for me, it was like the prestige. I'm a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's the, there's something about it. There was something about, uh, and I know we're going to, we'll, we'll talk about this more about what your background, like how it dictates what you appreciate or what you think is a good career and the right career and what what defines success but you know for me there was something about giving up that identity as the successful lawyer the one who for me as well it was I was the first person in my family to go to university and I was the first person in my family to to move away from Manchester and move to London which was a big deal and all those things and I think that when you've been in one career for all of your 20s and you're coming up to 30 there's something really uncomfortable about shedding that identity and there's something that is really uh confronting to think well I've been working my whole life towards this which is funny because it's like your whole life it's you know not it's not that many uh that many years but it feels like at the time almost that thing of have I wasted the time you know studying and all these things and then add to that exactly what you said that socialization of we should do this this is the path we should take this is the good job this is the this is the right thing to do I know this isn't being recorded, but I'm doing quotation marks in my fingers. And yeah, like, how was that for you to shed that identity? Did you Do you feel like that was something that you were able to do? Or do you still struggle with it now? I think it's a weird thing, but I think I'm very confident with people who aren't from my background in some ways. Whereas when it's people who came from the same kind of world I did, and I like, grew up in the same place as I did, like have like South Asian background, did professional jobs, because those were my kind of people before, right? And I think sometimes when I'm with them, then it's almost like I feel judgment, even if they're not necessarily judging me, because I would have potentially judged if I if like there was another person doing what I was doing. I'm like, oh, okay, you left your like consulting career to go and become a writer. Like, oh, that's nice. Like, well done. Like, <laughs> I was like, oh, you kind of have that skepticism. I had that own skepticism myself, and I have found this weird of like where I get more nervous with the people who potentially like are like the closest related to me and like for most of my life, in terms of like their similar upbringing, similar like careers and stuff like that and it's something I have noticed where it's like well, why like they, they should be the people I'm most comfortable with but it's my own it's, a, it's a, something in my own head I don't think those people judge me as much as I think they do I am the same as you I agree completely with that and I think it actually makes sense when you break it down because they're the people they're the example of what you could have been right they're the example for me this is how I feel as well with people in in my life who I meet in these years of me um since my career change and since becoming a coach I feel very comfortable to talk about what I do and I feel not ashamed or embarrassed at all but when I see people from back home you know people who are in the Jewish community uh which is where I grew up and uh you know I, I know that the sometimes the mentality of the community is to be a certain way and to do a certain thing and and it's very traditional in some aspects when I'm with those people I do become more embarrassed and I feel that thing of oh god like are they going to talk about me behind my back or I don't actually feel this anymore but I really struggled with it when I first left and I think that it's because we're projecting either you just said it very really well then of well that's because I used to think that so we're thinking and I've had so many stories when people have asked me really innocent questions and I've got really defensive because I'm like well they're judging me and actually they're probably not and even if they are like 
okay, who cares? It's not a big deal. But I think it makes sense that you are more aware and in tune with judgment from people who are like, grew up in a similar way to you. I really agree. And one thing I know that I do, and it's, I can, I hear myself doing it and I kind of laugh to myself inside is if I see somebody kind of making an odd face or they seem like they're judging me, they're like, oh yeah, I've interviewed people like the founder of Netflix and the founder of Twitter. So I straight bingo, the bingo, big guns. It's like their perception completely changes then, right? Of like, oh, so you're not just like, oh, you don't just like dab with, oh, you've actually like had some really big names. And then it's quite funny to see the reaction change. And it's kind of, it amuses me, but it's also, well, I shouldn't need to do that. I shouldn't do that myself mentally, right? I shouldn't need to, it's showing off in a way, but it's, it's difficult because in some ways I need to tell people kind of those credentials because then that's what helps the business and everything grow. Because if people realize like, actually I have done pretty well, but then it's like how much it is from insecurity of me needing to say that so that people like give me that certain status. And the other aspect of that as well is where you see some people struggle or you can see they want to ask a question, but they feel awkward about it. And it's all about the question about money. And I find that really interesting, especially from people from, like the finance background or that consulting background. And they're like, oh, so like how, like, if you don't mind me asking, like, how do you make money on that? It's like, it's just such a, I still find it such an odd question to ask somebody like you don't know very well because they're just so like, they, they're kind of making the assumption that I'm not doing well financially, I think. And they're trying to like understand. They, I think it's such a crazy decision to them that they can't quite understand like, oh, actually I'm doing quite well, but it's hard to, it's, hard to say that without like it's a difficult conversation to manage of like I'm not an idiot like I'm not completely crazy I'm doing best than I was in my consulting career and that's the kind that I think that's the way I word it because I think I don't like to use oh I'm earning this much per month or I'm earning that mm. much per month mm. I say oh I'm doing best in my consulting career and that kind of gives people a ballpark but even then it's like am I just saying that just to impress them or like, like they've asked me so I'm answering the question but it's like yeah it's one of the things I struggle with a bit of yeah judging that like how do I how do I say things in a way that like represents what I'm doing to the right level without seeming arrogant or like I'm showing off yeah I think and I think it's a it's a fine line and this it sounds like you you manage it well but I think what you're touching upon here is something that's really important is that people have sometimes a negative perception of being self-employed and I think that's really what this is, is that all of your reactions and all of the questions that they that people ask you, I think it does come from a society where most people just really value a salary job. They really do. They really, mm-hmm. they value employment. And most people are too afraid to go out there and do their own thing. And what I found a lot is that when people ask me these questions and I couldn't, I used to be very defensive about it. And I've learned over time that most of the time they're just being curious. And I'm the one that, like I said before, that that would be projecting and being, you know, oh, well, let me just tell you that, you know, mm-hmm. why are you asking kind of thing? But I think it's because in general, people, and, and again, like from the background that I grew up in, my community, it was just like, if you have good grades, and you finish high school with good grades, then you go to university. And there was like four or five universities that you go to and you go to those specific mm-hmm. ones. And in that university, there was only like a very small number of degrees that were esteemed, like in terms of what you actually mm-hmm. study. And then after that, you go on and graduate to become, to work in finance, to work as a lawyer, 
to, I mean, a doctor, that would be very, you know, esteemed and something corporate basically, but those are the main things, accountant, lawyer, doctor, that was like kind of what you, what you do. So yes, to our generations above and to many people who still make those choices, it's crazy to them. It's crazy and wild that you would give up something so certain and something so secure which it isn't, by the way, but people's perception of it is, to, for something that they would deem as insecure, uncertain. And that's where the money questions come from. Because for them, mm. salary equals certainty and a salary equals uh, mm. security. And for them, self-employed just equals insanity. Yeah. And I think what's interesting as well is how people think about I guess a sliding scale of like if you're in a job you might earn like x amount per year like percent more whereas I could earn 10 times as much next year or like 100 times and that's that kind of volatility but it's also where there's so much more opportunity and one of the things I think I struggled with as well is when I initially left my job then I was doing things in a certain way because I wanted to make sure I was earning like at least six figures per year right and I was doing things like maybe weren't actually helping in the long term because I just, I had that mental thing about, I need to earn this much to justify my decision to leave my like safe career. Mm. Whereas now it's kind of shifting a bit, but like actually what's the point of me doing well in life so far to have this kind of scarcity mind if I need this much per month when I'm actually not even spending that much per month. So it's now shifting like, okay, maybe I should invest more in myself, invest more in the business. And actually maybe I'm not making as much this month or next month, but I'm actually way happy or I'm building something which I really care about. And in recent times, I could take a bit of time off. And that means there's months Alina, but it's okay because the whole point of me building up my savings over the years is so that I can do that. But some people have this mentality of building up your savings, building up your investments, and they're never actually making use of the freedom that they give you. And you don't use it when you're 60 or like 70. You can do it throughout your life. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that is something when you are self-employed is you take a big risk. And sometimes, and for me, almost everything I've earned since I, I have been full-time, I've put it back into the business that I've not, I've not spent because I've had this mentality that, okay, if I want my business to really, really grow in the long term, right, we're talking in the next three to five years, not just next month or this year, then I'm going to have to learn skills and the investments that I've made have mainly been in myself, have mainly been in learning new things, courses, coaching programs, coaches. And yeah, I, I think that is exactly right what you're saying, that it can feel very unfamiliar to go from being an employee where you're very much like, okay, I'm saving for retirement to then going into this business and what I call in, in my coaching, the CEO mindset of actually making decisions that are way more strategic and less like micro. And I think that it's a really hard shift. And I know we we're going to talk about mm. what's difficult about being working for yourself. But for me, I think that is one of the difficult things is that the fluctuation of the months, that some months you can earn, mm. like you said, there's no limit on what you can earn. And then some months, it just doesn't look like that because for me anyway, it's it's very like depends on which month and what I'm selling and um, it's very seasonal. So yeah, do you also find that hard, that kind of the that fluctuation? I think so. I think one thing that maybe helps me is that I don't pay that much attention in some ways. So I make sure I get my taxes done on time and things like that. But then month to month, I'm not really paying too much attention to exactly how much I'm earning versus the previous month. 
and it's weird because like I've got a very analytical background. I was like doing like an analysis and economics, all that kind of stuff. But in some ways, not paying so much attention to the money and the stats has helped me because I know that I earn enough. Like I can pay, like I pay myself a salary from the business. So I know that I can pay that. And as long as I'm paying that, then how much extra is in there? Is it, isn't a massive consequence to me? So it's more like, okay, okay, I've got money, enough money in the account to buy this thing that's going to help me to grow this business or do this. I'm going to do it. And it's, I think it comes from like abundance mindset. Like I know that I can make more money. So I'm not too precious about how I spend it in some ways. What spending it, something related to investing myself, not just spending yeah. on like random things or treats and things like that. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. this is something which I think is going to be really useful to my, me and my future, or like I'm really passionate about it, then it's worth the money. Yeah. Um, and I think that's helped me because I think it's even with the writing side of things. People say, oh, you should like check your stats and like see like and analyze like, oh, you posted on that day. Did you get more views on that day? So there is a million variables. Like it rained on that day. So it didn't. So more people were inside and read. And I think sometimes people look into such micro changes that's actually unhealthy. It's like, okay, you've got to like, think about the bigger picture. Where do you want to get to? What are the skills you need to get there? What are the relationships you need to build? And that's the more important thing. So then you said in three or five, three to five years time, that's where it really matters of like how much you've built and how much you've grown. And that's where it's going to pay off. Yeah, I really agree with that. And also that mentality of not getting caught up on the statistics. And I, I obviously have my Instagram account and a lot of people ask me about the stats and, and I'm like, I've never checked my stats ever. And when I do, I always get caught up and like you said, those little things, okay, I lost more followers on that day. Like, and then I'm like, what does it matter? Like, and I think it's really, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one because a lot of people can get focused on that and it isn't actually anything important in the long run. So can we go back to talking about, so we're in January, 2020, and then mm-hmm. uh, you said, obviously you were doing the side hustle, then what shifted? I would love to hear a little bit about mm-hmm. your decision to actually, um, leave your job because I'm sure at the time that was a really big big shift for you so I think it was for a long time I was doing well in the side hustles but I always considered it a side hustle I never thought I'd ever take it full time it was to me that was too crazy like I would never do that because that's like like I said like my sensibilities of like yeah I'm a consultant I've got a professional career I've got the status whatever and then the income like I also consider myself a bit lucky in some ways but then when I was having like lucky month after lucky month after lucky month, I said, oh, actually, maybe I'm actually good at this. Maybe there's actually something here. And I think it really came to a head because we're making you working from home at that point. But then I knew things were going to open up again. And once I went back to the office, it was really hard for me to do the side hustles. And also social life. I think social life is the biggest aspect because I saw as I could have juggling between three things, mainly for my time, right? So you had work, you had the side hustles, and you had a social life, and like meeting people, friends, family, whatever. So in the pandemic, I didn't have a social life because nothing was really open. I couldn't really do anything. So I spent all my time on work and side hustles, and that was fine. Once things opened up again, then I didn't want to do that. Like I wanted to have my social life back again. And that's just like my personality. I wanted to make sure I was meeting people, doing things, and like that was important to me. So something had to give. So I had to choose like, okay, do I cut like work or do I cut the side hustles? And what would I regret more? And I just felt that I would regret cutting all the stuff I was doing on the side more because 
I'd always question like, what could I have done? Like, where could I have got to? Whereas if work, I could always go back to it. Like if this, even today, if this all crumbles, if everything I'm doing fails, I can get a consulting job again. I've got the experience, I've got the background, I've got the connections, whatever. But even though like I can explain that decision rationally, at the time it wasn't that like rational at all. But it was in, it wasn't, I, okay, I made a presentation and I did it to like my friends and family and be like, okay, look, this is what I'm thinking. This is why it's like, is this, does this make sense? Like I needed that validation from other people. And I was saying like, I was very lucky that my family kind of was telling me to quit before I was even ready to quit. They were just like, you're stressed out all the time because you're doing all this stuff. Like you're enjoying what you're doing on the side way more. That's going to make you happy. And you're going to work out the financial stuff. Like, don't worry about it. And then I was like, it was almost like the, the role reversal of like, I was like, but what about stability? What about these things? And, <laughs> and then they were like, oh, you'll be fine. Like it's like, and they were kind of a very like laissez-faire about it. And I think that really helped me. And that kind of encouragement. I know a lot of people don't have that encouragement where their parents are like, oh, don't, like, don't be an idiot. Like what, what are you doing? Like don't leave your job. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have to have that battle. All the battle was internal of like my identity and like, okay, am I this kind of a person? Like, am I being an idiot? Like, am I just, I think a lot of it was to do with too about, am I getting too big for my boots in some ways? Like, am I overestimating myself? Am I being overconfident? Am I being, and I guess from like, I was always been like an in, more of an introvert growing up. So for me to kind of be like, oh yeah, I'm going to do this and like have that entrepreneurial spirit and like, yeah, I can work it all out. It just felt very foreign. Mm. And it was this whole question of my identity that we talked about earlier of, but who am I? Am I the kind of person that does this kind of stuff? Like I've always taken the safer option growing up and throughout my career. And eventually I think I, I took a week off work where I took that week to just think about things. And this was during the pandemic when you weren't allowed to go on holiday or vacation or anything. So I just kind of sat around and pondered life and got very stressed out and everything. <laughs> and then even when I quit, so what was interesting is that my manager and my like boss, they didn't try to convince me to stay. Because they just said, like, we think you should actually do what you're doing. Because like you're at that stage now where if you don't do it, like we're gonna feel bad about like keeping you here when you're gonna be like regretting, you're not gonna be happy here because you need to go and do this and prove yourself to yourself and like work out what you could do. So it's kind of nice that even when I was quitting that job that I'd had for seven years, and it was obviously gonna be a problem for them to try and replace me, they were actually like, Yeah, like we believe in you, like you should do this. Mm-hmm. And if you ever want to come back, like the doors are open for you. So it was almost strange that I had so much support from everybody around me, but then it's myself that I was battling more than anybody else. Which is usually the case, I think. I think, I mean, I know some people aren't as lucky to have um, really like liberal and supportive uh, family, but for most of us, I think it just does come down to what we truly believe. It is that mindset. And I think that what really uh, spoke to me in your what you were just saying in, in your story of making the decision is that you never grew up wanting to be an entrepreneur it was not like that was it you know and I think a lot of people who want to be self-employed that's what holds them back they say things like that's just not who I am and like you said I'm introverted not extroverted and I think we all have this uh, vision in our minds of a CEO who is you know this very visionary loud extroverted standing on a stage kind of spotlight on him I would say him because I think that many most of us presume when you think of CEO that it's a man and I think that it's really it's, it's not how it has to be and you've proven that and I know so many of my 
clients and, and colleagues and friends have also shown that you don't have to have dreamt from the age of three that you want to be a business owner to actually go and do it. And I think that that sometimes people use it sometimes as an excuse and it's like a mm. mask for the fear, but people genuinely believe it ha- you have to be X, Y, and Z to be able to do it. And I really like the fact that yours, and I know you said it was a fluke and I'm going to argue it wasn't a fluke. <laughs> it's what, you know, this is what you're good at. This is the, the talent that you have is writing and, and obviously you've, you've been running your own business so successfully. And I think that it's really important for people listening who have those thoughts of, oh, it's just not me. And it's just not going to uh, fit with who I am to know that it's just, there's no rules for it. Yeah. And I think one of the things I think is interesting too, is that like so many people in corporate careers have really good skills. Like they're very like talented. And the only difference between say, me and some of them is that I took a chance and like I wrote online and put myself out there and that's what got these opportunities. And I was then, a lot of people didn't reach the tipping point during the pandemic where they're doing stuff on the side, but it wasn't doing well enough to quit their jobs yet, or they didn't feel like it was doing well enough, whereas I did. And I know lots of people like friends who were doing things during the pandemic. And then, then they were like, oh yeah, we're going to keep up once the pandemic is over. And they've all stopped because it's hard to manage. And it was what the decision I knew that it's like, once social life comes back again, Am I going to be wanting to do this stuff and like cancel birthday and not go to people's birthday parties and not go to see these events? And yeah, and I think the whole bit about the identity of entrepreneurship is it's you hear these like very huge stories of like, oh yeah, this person, like they were selling candy in like the playground and things like that. And it's like, but that's actually like a minority of them. Like so many people, it's just if you've got something you're really passionate about and you love and you want to give it a go, then what's the what's the worst that could happen like the worst could happen like it fails you go back to your career again like like it'll take a few months out and even I think a lot more business is starting to respect that and you're getting people who were entrepreneurs come back into business at a high level because business respect oh this person's got initiative like they're going to try and do something and maybe it's not always going to work out but I don't need to hold their hand and that's also a skill that employers are looking for so it doesn't necessarily damage your future chances if you wanted to go back to the corporate world again, because what you're showing is that you've got initiative, you're willing to take risks. You've like, as an entrepreneur, you have to handle so many more things as an, like than an employee. And I think, I don't know if this happens to you as well. You've got a newfound respect for your managers and your like seniors. Like once you start working for yourself, like I used to be so annoyed about all these little minor things. Like actually they've got a much bigger picture to think about and you don't appreciate it until you have to make those decisions yourself. And like, I feel quite bad now in some ways. Like, why? I was like annoyed at these things. Like, actually, that was the right decision that they made, but I couldn't see it at the time. Yeah. Wow. A hundred percent. I think also, yeah, to to elaborate on that point about you can just go back exactly. And I think a lot of people have this huge, huge fear of failure of what it would mean to go back. You know, what would that mean? It would be the worst thing ever if I had to actually go back. And I, I think it's really important what you said that employers really like this spirit the entrepreneurial spirit like they like it they want it and I think that's something maybe much newer in the last 10 years that the startup culture and that nature of like really valuing people who do things for themselves and what self-starters I think is like the term for it um but I can tell you from experience that I did it I quit for a year and I went freelance uh self-employed and I went back to work and I felt like 
I had my tail between my legs kind of going back oh my god I have run out of money and I need to go back and actually those I worked for another 18 months before I then went um quit again and went freelance again but those 18 months were really important because I feel like I learned so many skills that I then used in my business, but also learning that lesson that, yeah, if it doesn't work out, you can just go back. And it's like, even if I have a tough month in business now, there's always that reminder that, okay, you can just, you can do it. You've done it before you'll do it again. So I love that point. And I think that it's really, it doesn't mean that people should quit as soon as quit their uh, own business as soon as it gets hard because they can go back but it's just knowing that I think when you do these career changes at the age of 30 you have already built some base for yourself in the working world and you will be able to get another job or even a part-time job to uh, sustain it so I actually do think that's a really important point I think part of it as well is the ego side of things as well like I think you learn to like reduce your ego a bit as you get into your own business because so much of it to me is like everything I do is basically based on relationships. Like the people I interview, the people I get onto the podcast, it's it only works because those people like me a bit, right? Like if they didn't like me, then it's all crumble. And the way I do that is by being honest and vulnerable. Like I don't, I was interviewing somebody a couple of weeks ago and I just told them like very honestly, like this happened in my life a few weeks ago. I'm nervous for this podcast. I haven't done a podcast in a while. I might have recorded how many episodes, but like, this one's going to be really hard for me. So if I fluff my lines and stuff like that, I'm really sorry. And then because of that, we had a really genuine conversation afterwards. And I could have just tried to impress them and be like, oh, I've done this, this and this. Like, look how amazing I am. Where the things what people default to because they're trying to show, they're trying to cover insecurities. Whereas I've actually found by being open and honest with people, that really helps. And even, for example, if I had to go back to my career again, like go back to a, a day job then even that honesty with the employer being like, oh, look, I tried this and it didn't work and here's why it didn't work and what's going on. That can really build those good relationships with people. And I know people have been hired where the employer knows that they're going to leave in a couple of years to do their own thing. But because they've been open and honest about it, then there's that mutual level of respect. And I think that's so underrated. It's like just, I know there's all these different people who say like, oh yeah, you should keep everything to your chest. And But I just found being open and honest has opened so many doors for me. And we're talking about the fluke earlier, right? Um, the fluke side of things is just like, I've been lucky to get opportunities I've got in some ways, but it's what I do once I've got those opportunities. That's where the skill comes in mm. and trying to build more opportunities. It's, you build opportunities for yourself. If you're putting yourself out there, you're doing all these kind of things, then that really helps too. Yeah. What advice would you give to somebody who who is, say, seven years ago, who, or maybe not even that long ago, a few years ago, who had this pull to do something else but was stuck in that place of you know doing the like we said the shoulds I should do this job mm-hmm. and they want to do it and they're listening to this and they're thinking oh yeah but I I'm not brave enough or that fear is too strong mm-hmm. uh, what advice would you give to somebody who wants to start but doesn't know how to actually take the leap I'd say like break down that fear because I think so for so many people that fear is like a dark cloud like a feeling in your stomach but like try and work out what are you actually afraid of? So is it, for example, for okay, me, it was the identity side of things. It was whatever stable income. And as I like work out which one of those is actually what's holding you back or which ones are the most important to you. And then tackling some of the smaller fears first. So let's say for me, because I was a public persona all under my name, I could have started under a pseudonym. So if it all messed up, nobody would ever know that it was me that did that. And like, for example, with an Instagram page, 
somebody could start an Instagram page. Maybe they don't show their face at the beginning if that's what they're afraid of. So it's like working out like what's the smallest step you could take at the beginning, just like get rid of like one of the small fears. And then once you start going, like, oh, actually, it's not as bad as I thought. And then maybe you, you up it from there. I think what sometimes people try to do is they try to go from zero to like full grown business. I'm going to go from nothing to quit my job. Whereas you can do lots of stages in between. And rather than thinking, oh, I need to start my own restaurant, like, for example, like, why don't you just start making food for your friends and have, like having dinner parties and like saying, OK, like, would you pay for this in a restaurant? Asking your friends first and then those your friends could bring a friend along with them. So you're like, slowly expanding in a way that's less scary rather than like, I'm going to quit my job and start a restaurant tomorrow. That's that's quite a big deal. But it's like I think, yeah, it's there's so many steps along the way you can take. And that's what I did in a way, right? I was doing on the side. Then like, the podcast didn't start until after I quit my job. It was all writing up until then, or it was like newsletters and things. And you can do all of that. So like, for example, if you want to start your own podcast, why not be able to guest on podcasts first? Because then you, you feel if you're comfortable with it or not. Yeah. And I think too many people have got the idea in their heads about this is what I want to do without testing it yet. And like, you can test it in a less dangerous way or a less way that feels threatening to you as a person. Yeah, I think it's really good advice about how to manage your fears. So there's, I think for me, I always say, is this going to be fair? It's not like it's going to disappear. So if you leave your job or you think about leaving your job, or even if you think about starting to write and putting your name out there and starting Instagram, an Instagram account or a podcast, that fear isn't necessarily going to go away. But yeah, not to do anything that's going to cause anxiety. Because I think there's like a quite a fine line. And hmm. if you, I don't know, if the thought of you don't all of a sudden opening your own restaurant tomorrow sends you into extreme anxiety, sure, don't sign a lease on a restaurant, right? And I think it's so true. It's all about taking those those baby steps to, to do it and to flex the muscle. And I call it the confidence loop. You've got to keep building confidence up to feed back around. You can't just create confidence out of thin air when you don't have it, if you don't have a good basis of it. So yeah, I think that's really great. And I really hope that people listening just are inspired. I'm sure they will be inspired by your story and, and this whole series that I've done, which has really just shown how many people have come from, like we said, these shoulds and the the more structured backgrounds and actually uh, done things that they once thought was crazy. Um, and I agree with you. If I knew what I was doing at the age of 35, at 25, when I was a trainee lawyer, I would be shocked, completely shocked. And I'd be like, who is that wild hippie who doesn't have a salary? <laughs> it's like, but you change so much, right? And who, who you idea? I think people have this idea that who, well, who you think you're going to be when you're 18 is who you have to be. Whereas I can completely pivot next year if I decide I don't enjoy this, and that's okay. And it's just it's, it's giving yourself that freedom to just change, and that's okay. Yeah, totally. So for anybody who is listening who wants to find out uh, more about you and to read some of your things and listen to your podcast, where can they find you? I think the best place is my website. It's, it's got the links to everywhere else. So that's my name.co. So A M A R D E P dot co, Amadeep.co. And that's got links to everything because it's quite a sprawling little empire built now where there's two podcasts, this thing being built on the side, that course, this, whatever. But that's the best place to find it's a hub. Amazing. And a good place to start is to go and listen to my podcast, um, <laughs> my yeah. episode with you. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Um, I've loved hearing your story and I'll see everybody on the podcast next week. 